0: Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible
1: just want to welcome you. I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Dustin Agard. Honored that you would be here with us. We are in this series called Revision, where we're taking a look as Pastor John is retiring at the end of the year, and we're just kind of praying together of what could be and should be in the future in the life of Journey Christian Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, I'm going to give you a quick recap. One of the things that we've done is we've introduced a new vision statement. The new vision statement is this. And and let's just all read it together. Everybody, Lake County and online, it says, Journey Christian Church is a community of fully devoted what? Of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Now, the past couple weeks, we've walked through some of these. Matter of fact, week one, what we did is we walked through reaching out to love our neighbors. And when we introduced this, a lot of people kind of nod their head and like, okay, we expect... Maybe the church to do that. And then we talked about serving the hurting. And again, people are like, okay, I I get on board. I expect that. But I think today, as we talk about developing leaders for ministry, some of you are like, maybe maybe I didn't see that one coming. Maybe I'm not quite sure what that means. and What is he referring to? and, And why specifically is that important to the future of Journey Christian Church? And so what we want to do is we want to talk about these three pillars and the way we're kind of phrasing it is in in these three elements. And we've done this every other week. So we're going to do it together. Let's say it together. We're going to do what? We're going to reach, serve, develop. One more time. Reach, serve, develop. Man, y'all are gifted. That's awesome. Y'all are on it. So one of the things we've said is that it's one of our goals to celebrate. Right now we are a 53-year-old church. One of our goals is to celebrate our 100th anniversary as a healthy and thriving church. Listen, the only way we can accomplish that, the only way is by developing leaders for ministry because most of us won't be here. So what does that look like? Where did I come up with this idea and why am I passionate about it? As a matter of fact, I've not always been passionate about this. I've been following Jesus for a while, been in ministry for a while, but I didn't really get passionate about developing leaders for ministry until I was about 23 years old. Uh, at the time, I was 23 years old, I was, I was a youth pastor. And to kind of reach out to a local school and try to love on teenagers, I applied to be a baseball coach. And, and they hired me. They said, hey, you're in, all you gotta do is take this physical and you can start immediately. So I took the physical and my doctor sat me down and he said, hey, results came back and you have cancer. When you're 23 years old, you're just, you think, You don't think that. You don't even think about taking a physical. I don't know the next time I would've taken a physical, that physical changed my life. And so we walked through that. A couple days later, I get a phone call from Relay for Life. If you don't know about Relay for Life, it's a fundraiser uh, to raise money for cancer. And what they do is they, they say, "Hey, try to get sponsors." And, and maybe you say, "Hey, uh, would you sponsor me one dollar for every lap I walk around the track?" And then they bring thousands of people together, walk around the track to raise money, and Relay for Life called me, and they said, "Hey, we would like it if you would, uh, if you would give the opening prayer, we're going to do a relay for life at, at the school you coach at." And I was blown away because I at this point, hadn't really told really anybody about our diagnosis, and I said. I said, if I can make it, I'd be honored to, but how did you even know that I had cancer? And they said, we didn't know you had cancer. We just knew you were a coach and a pastor and and process elimination. You're, You're one of the only few people that could pray for us. And so they said, tell us more. And so long story short, instead of just giving a prayer, I was able to, by the grace of God, get up and actually share a story, my story, of God's faithfulness throughout that process. And if you've never been to a Relay for Life, one of the things that they do is they have what's called a survivor's lap. The survivor's lap is the first lap before anything goes on. Anybody that survived cancer walks that lap, but before the survivor's lap, they pick one person to walk around, and they asked me to do that original walk by myself, and I'm telling you, I did it, and everybody's just standing and cheering, and I just lost it. And that's where I found one of my greatest photos of me and my son. This is my son at the Relay for Life that day. You see, I didn't know at the time when I got diagnosed, I didn't know my future. And as a youth pastor, I was convinced of one thing. I was convinced that my youth ministry was going to fail. I was 100% convinced because I thought that they had hired me to do everything. I didn't understand Ephesians 4.12, which says that the job of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I didn't know that. So I did all the announcements. I ordered all the pizza. I spoke every week. I, I was the treasurer. I was the marketer. I was the finance. I did it all. I didn't know that. I had volunteers, but I didn't develop leaders. And I remember going into the hospital for surgery. And I remember just crying because my ministry was going to fail. It was going to die. And I said, God, if you allow me to survive this, I'm going to build something that outlasts myself. By the grace of God, I was able to survive it, and the ministry didn't die. But it wasn't because I developed leaders, it didn't die because great volunteers just stepped up, coincidentally. And ever since that day, I made a vow and I made a promise that God, we're gonna develop leaders that outlast myself because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus left, his ministry didn't die, it blew up. That's the mark of a great leader, is that the ministry doesn't die, that it actually expands, it grows. And so for me, this is a concept that's not just biblical. This is in my bones. This is in my my blood. This is in my DNA. So why does developing leaders matter? Several reasons. One, Jesus did it, right? Like, isn't this what he did with the disciples? He, He gathered 12 people and he didn't just gather them and do a Bible study. He gathered them and he said, hey, watch how I talk to people. Watch how I heal people. Watch how I treat people that are far from God. Watch how I treat the disabled. Watch how I uh, correct people that try to abuse their authority over me. Watch how I live out the scriptures. And he would do it, and then he would talk to them, and he'd say, "Now you try it." That's that's leadership development at its finest. You see, Jesus did. I love what Acts 4.13 says. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, when Jesus decided to pick a group of people to change the world, he didn't go to Forbes' you know, top 500 list and pick the CEOs. He went and picked average Joes, and he made them world changers. How do you take average Joes that end up changing the world? He developed them. So the first reason that we should care about leadership development is Jesus did it. The second reason is this. Jesus commanded it. This is the Great Commission. It's, it's Jesus' farewell speech before he ascends to heaven. It says this. It says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus didn't just do it, Jesus actually commanded it. And this is the the implication that he's saying. He said, listen, I'm expecting disciples to turn into disciple-makers. I'm expecting followers of the way to be leaders to point to the way. You see, every disciple is meant to become, at some point, a disciple-maker. Every follower is meant to become a leader. Another way of saying it would be this, Jesus wasn't developing followers, he was also developing leaders. You see, I believe that the gospel tells us to do two things. The first thing is to be a disciple, which is a follower. We're supposed to follow Jesus. But after following a while, Jesus then says, hey, you've been following me long enough, now I want you to be a leader. We go from following Jesus to being a leader for Jesus. Each of us is called to be followers that at some point turn into leaders. Listen, our heart is, we wanna come alongside you to encourage you, to equip you and to empower you to storm the gates of hell with a water pistol if you must. Because this is what I know, When time we talk about the idea of leadership, leadership is, in, is just intimidating, but then to be a leader for the kingdom, so many people are intimidated, and I get it. Some of you are like, man, I, I'm barely getting to church and now you're talking about me being a leader, yep. And it's not me, it's, it's Jesus, but you're just not gonna be a leader overnight. I believe it's the job of the church to develop you to be the leader that God's called you to be. And that's our heart. We wanna come alongside, encourage you, equip you, and empower you to go and make a difference in the kingdom. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to Hebrews. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's actually one of the, the uh, books towards the end of the Bible and the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, you can download the Bible app, the YouVersion app, it's a great app, and go ahead and download that. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14. And the reader of, of, uh, or the writer of Hebrews is writing to a, a Jewish-believing audience. So these are people that have a Jewish background that now believe in Jesus, and they're in this tension, what they're, they're processing. Because persecution on the believers, on Christians, is rising. And what they're doing is they're processing, should we continue to cling to the grace of Jesus, or should we go back to our legalistic rituals where we weren't being persecuted? And the writer of Hebrews is addressing that. And in Hebrews 5 12 through 14, it says this. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, what is he implying here? He's, he, what he's saying, he's saying, hey, you're still an infant, but believers should not be infants forever. They should graduate to solid food and then go back and teach infants. Why? Because disciples to become disciple makers is always assumed in the gospel. There is no disciple for life without ever being a leader. That's just not a process. That's not a concept in scripture. It's like, no, 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 you've been a believer long enough and, in, and you should now be teaching these truths to others, but instead we gotta keep going back and teaching you the basic truths. So, to illustrate this, I would like to kind of walk through a couple things. We have a, a baby bottle, okay? So, this is what I want to do. I want to I want to talk about spiritual maturity and the stages of spiritual maturity through a metaphor of using physical food. Can we do that today? Yes. Are y'all in? Yes. All right. So, so the first thing is, is we start uh, when you give your life to Jesus, you start off with craving spiritual milk. And listen, this is not bad. First Peter says this. It says like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may what? Grow up up in your salvation. Listen, it doesn't say so you could stay there. You drink this because you're supposed to graduate to something else. You see, milk is good for a season. It's not good for the rest of your life. And then what we do is we graduate from milk to Cheerios. I don't know about you, but I have a love-hate relationship with Cheerios. Like if I had a dollar for every Cheerio I stepped on when our kids were toddlers, I'd be a rich man. If I had a dollar for every Cheerio that came flying up my face when they didn't want to eat one. Parents, can I get a amen? amen? But boy, do those kids love Cheerios. Why? Because they're graduating from, from milk to, to now something they could suck on. And that's great, that's a great stage. This is the toddler stage. And each stage is, is great. And then after Cheerios, it goes on to the child stage. And the child stage is chicken nuggets. Some of y'all are like, that's not a child stage. Like, I love chicken nuggets. I'll let you process that later. And so as we grow spiritually, as we mature spiritually, we go from from drinking milk to Cheerios to, to nuggets. And this is the child stage. And listen, Jesus says for us to have faith like a child. This is actually really, really good. It's a great stage. But there's a shadow mission to this stage as well. Because one of the favorite words of a child is mine. And if you are curious where you're at in this, I would ask you how often when it comes to spiritual maturity are you using the words Mine or I. I. I didn't like that service. I, I didn't like that song. I, I wish the church would do this, I, 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 I. That might be a sign you're here. That's not bad, it's just, I hope you understand it's a season that you need to keep going. You see, and then after the chicken nugget stage, we reached the teenage stage, which is all about pizza. I didn't grow out of the pizza phase. I love me some pizza. And we graduate to the pizza stage and the teenage phase is incredible. Like teenagers are fearless. It's one of the things I love about teenagers. You tell a teenager they can walk on water, they're taking their shoes off, they're gone. But there's a shadow mission to teenagers. You see, as we grow into teenagers, the shadow side of that is this this growth for independence. This idea that I can do it all on my own. I don't need any help. And kind of spiritually speaking, one of the ways that this looks like is we fight for independence. I I, I don't need the church. I don't need a small group. I don't need this. I I can just grow and have a relationship on my own. And that sounds good. It's just not biblical. There's no such thing as isolated Christianity. It's always done in community. And so what the the teenage phase is, is... We have this inclination to prove that we can do it on our own. But what God says is, I never created you to do it on your own. Actually, a sign of maturity is that you're dependent on me, not independent. That's the sign of maturity is when you are dependent. And we go through these stages of, of drinking milk and Cheerios and chicken nuggets and pizza. And God's all along moving us to spiritual maturity. And what he wants us to do is he wants us to grab a big old steak. And he said, this is what it looks like to be spiritually mature. Some of you are like, what are you doing with that steak? Don't talk to me about my steak. I'm going to be eating this as I watch the dolphins smoke the bills today. That's what I'm going to be doing. Listen, I don't know if that's good news or bad news, that that's the loudest cheer you've had today. So, But I'll take it. So we see this and what God's saying is he's saying, listen, what this scripture's saying in Hebrews uh, is saying, listen, this is good, but you're still craving this. And you've been a believer for two decades. You should be on meat, and you should be in a spiritual adult teaching infants, but instead you're still an infant. Why? Because you thought the whole time it was just about infancy. You didn't realize that there was a, a pathway for you to follow, that there is spiritual maturity. You see, any of these phases is not good. They are a part of life. You don't look at a toddler and say, oh, you're stupid, you're just three. No, that they have to do that to develop to the next stage. There is no bad stage. This is what's bad. There is no bad stage. It's just bad when somebody is in one stage for longer than they should be. You see, it's not bad for a newborn to drink milk. What's weird is when you see a believer 20 years in their faith drinking out of a baby bottle, you, like this. weird? Like y'all are like, man, that's just weird. And I think heaven's looking up and they're looking at us and like, man, you've been attending church for 20 years and you're still on the bottle. Like when are we going to graduate to Cheerios and chicken nuggets and pizza? This is called leadership development. This is what Jesus did. And Jesus commanded it. He said, you're supposed to grow in your salvation, grow in your faith. It's supposed to be developed the reason we don't do it isolated is because there's somebody supposed to be discipling you, helping you every stage of the way. As a child, you didn't just naturally go from here to here, you had a parent or a guardian or a caretaker help you. That's why we need people to disciple us. We don't know when we're first believers what the Bible is about, we don't know what, what the faith is about, we don't know how to, we don't know any of that. We submit ourselves over somebody that's further than us to walk us through the gospel. This is why we say around here, there's always a next step when following Jesus. And so my prayer is that we ditch the baby bottles and grab a steak knife. Amen? Amen. Amen. To illustrate and drive this point home, I was going to give out steak knives on the way out. And I <laughs> I thought that could be bad. So we didn't do that. Years ago, in my late 20s, I was given a really special invitation to go to the Disney Institute for Success. And and at the Disney Institute for Success, um, first of all, I was the only pastor, I was the only American, I was the only non-CEO in the room. Like, these people are sharp. And I'm, I'm in my late 20s with like ripped jeans and I don't belong here at all. And I was just craving and taking it all in. I was being sharpened. And one of the first exercises they said, they said, we want you to draw something. And they told us specifically what to draw. And I'm not going to tell you what it is they asked us to draw. I'm going to show you. This was my drawing. They asked us to draw Mickey Mouse. I didn't need to tell you that because it's obvious, right? Like, here's the roller coaster, of course. And and I, I drew this. They said, hey, you're going to have 10 or 15 minutes. Draw Mickey. And some of you are like, at this time, have you ever seen Mickey? At at, at this time, did you ever, are you in Orlando? Like, I was literally born and raised in Orlando, and I still drew the worst Mickey ever. (laughs) And some of you are like, oh, you're being silly. I was not being silly. I promise you. I was trying my hardest. My wife is an artist. She does pottery. She does sculpting. And when she saw this, she was so embarrassed. (laughs) I mean, embarrassed. And Listen. After that, as a matter of fact, somebody, somebody saw this and said, "It doesn't look like Mickey. It looks like a one-eyed Dumbo. <laughs> and I actually think that's spot-on, right? And then they brought in one of their animators, a the mouse and they taught us step by step how to draw Mickey. And an hour later, they said, "Hey, you have the same time, 10 to 15 minutes, draw Mickey." And this is what I drew. No, listen, listen. No, no, no. If you weren't with me on the first photo, don't try to get on me on the second photo. I know where my crowd is. Like, like that's just an hour later. How does somebody go? Go back, go to side by side if you could. How, How does somebody goes from a dysfunctional like dysfunctional, one-eyed dumbo to, to, to this that clearly looks like Mickey in one hour. How does that happen? Because I was discipled. I, I, was deci- I was, somebody took me step by step how to draw Mickey. And what we can do sometimes in the church and say, I don't want somebody to teach me how to follow Jesus step by step. And what you don't realize is you end up walking around like this. And the church is spiritually full of one-eyed dumbos, and we don't know it. I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, we don't realize the, the, the lack of spiritual depth that we have because we've never been discipled. We're too scared. We don't have the time, the this, the that. And what we do is we walk around like this, and Jesus is saying, listen, I have something way better because you're scaring and confusing a lot of people. But if you would just submit yourself under somebody that that knows how to draw. You see, what, what the one on the right is, is, is that was me in the infant stage. That's, this is not bad if a three-year-old did it, right? It's just bad that a 28-year-old did it. And I'm not making that part up. Like, true, that was the best I could do. Paul talks about this. 1 Corinthians 11, one, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Listen, that's what I did with the Mickey. Like literally, that's what I did. The the, the person is teaching and teaching and said, draw this circle here, draw this, draw. And I'm just learning step-by-step how to draw a Mickey. And what we do is we submit ourselves under a disciple maker and step-by-step, we learn how to follow Jesus. We don't question, we don't, we don't debate and say, well, no, I don't like to do that, I don't like to serve, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do No, we just submit ourselves to somebody that's further along that knows Christ a little bit better. I heard somebody once say, what if we train our people and they leave? What if we train people, what if we put all this time and energy into training people and they leave? They either go to another business, they go to another church, they just stop coming. What if? And I think the better question is, what if we don't train them and they stay? We'll be a church full of one-eyed dumbos. And I'll be leading that church. <laughs> Last week, I shared with you one of the prayer requests that I had that by the, the end of 2025, that we want to have a mission partner on every inhabitable continent. And, and, and after I shared this with Pastor John a couple months ago, he said, we're actually not that far. And I want to share with you where we're at. So uh, keep going to the next one. So in Africa, we already have a couple mission partners, Sheltering Wings in Burkina Faso and International Justice Mission in Ghana, these two. And then in Asia, we have the Lighthouse Church, which is in Kazakhstan. And I wanna tell you a little bit about this church. This is Pastor Randy and Misha. This is Pastor Randy and Misha. I'm not gonna draw any attention to what they're wearing or anything like that. I'm just saying, Misha was Pastor Randy's translator when Pastor Randy went to plant a church over there. Translator. But to Pastor Randy, nobody's just a translator. It's always somebody to witness to or develop. So he gives his life to Christ and he starts discipling him. And then Pastor Randy was called back to the US and who did he pass the baton to? Who's running the ministry in Kazakhstan? Misha. They happen to be here in the United States right now. They're not in our service right now, but it's really cool knowing that story. Why? Because leadership development matters. Go to the next one. This is Europe, where we partner with TCM, Taking Christ to Millions International Institute. This is Austria. Go to the next one. This is South America, where we have a couple partners in Ecuador and then the Jesus film with Crew. Then the next one. This is North America where we have Camp Bahamas, we have Haiti, a core ministry, and then Faith in Action in Guatemala. So we're actually in every inhabitable continent except one, which is Australia. And Pastor John said, man, we're actually a lot closer than you think. And so I was like, man, that's really cool. So now this is how we can be praying and leaning in is, is God, would you move? Would you set us up to be able to minister and share the gospel in Australia? Some of you may or may not know, this is my daughter, Callie Joy. We did a Spartan race at the beginning of the year. Callie's a senior in high school. And, and this is what they ask every, every senior. They hate this question. It's the number one question they get asked. What are you doing next year? And she's been inundating that. She's been thinking about that. And what God's been doing behind the scenes is God's been moving in her and calling her to full-time ministry. And she's in a process where she's exploring being in full-time ministry more specifically she felt like over the past couple of months that God might be calling her to missions. And this didn't happen by accident. See, I got a photo here when she was in elementary school. It's a little grainy, but you can't tell. This is not me, this is Callie Joy. She's on stage teaching her peers about the love of God. This isn't me, the reason that's important, that's a volunteer, is from an early age, Callie Joy understood leadership development. People kept pulling and saying, hey, there's something in you, hey, do you wanna come speak? Hey, I think you have this, I think you have that. And over the years, and then we moved to Atlanta, and that happens, she was surrounded by residents and volunteers, and they kept pouring into her and developing her and giving her opportunities. As a matter of fact, this is Abby Moore. Abby Moore, um, if you go, this is Abby Moore, who we got to see recently. Abby was one of my old students. Abby, Abby graduated high school, and then the next couple years after that, she went and worked for an organization called Youth with a Mission, and she was one of Callie Joy's small group leaders and volunteer leaders. And they began to talk, and Callie began to pray. And over the past couple months, Callie applied to work and be a missionary with Youth with a Mission. Yeah. And then a couple weeks ago, Callie got a phone call that she'd been accepted to become a missionary for youth with a mission. And Lord willing, October 2023, she's going to be stationed in Australia as a missionary. not cool? It's like, only God. Only God. And some of y'all are skeptical and are like, no, you planned that. Listen, if I planned my daughter to be a missionary, I would have sent her to Kissimmee. Okay, not Australia. I promise you that. Only God can do that. I'm like, God, are you kidding me? Pastor John's the first one. He said, Dustin, do you realize that your daughter is going to fulfill the prayer and the vision that you've already created? I was like, man, only, only God. I love what Oswald Sanders says when it comes to leadership development. He said this, eyes that look are common, eyes that see are rare. The Pharisees looked at Peter and saw only an unschooled fisherman, not worth a second look, but Jesus saw in Peter a prophet and a preacher, a saint and a leader who would help turn the world upside down. You see, that's what so many leaders and volunteers did for Callie Joy. They didn't look at her the same way the world looked at her. They saw the gold that was in her. They saw the potential and they called that out every step of the way. And I wanna do that with you. Journey, I don't know what you look at when you look in the mirror as a church, but I see something beautiful. I see a group of people that are hungry for a move of God. And I see a group of people that just wanna see revival, not just in Central Florida, but beyond. And I get excited for the future and what God has in store in you and through you. And that pumps me up. And I wanna help every step of the way. So one of the things we're doing is we're creating what we're calling a leadership pathway. And so one of the things a leadership pathway is we're not just going to automatically expect everybody. We've, we've had so many new believers and, and, and people getting baptized. We're not expecting them just to walk on this on their own. We're going to create a strategic pathway. How do we develop each step? How do we resource? How do we, how do we equip and empower at each step so that you can be strengthened, encouraged, and grow in your salvation? And so here are some of the things that I'm praying that God would allow us to do over the next several years by the end of 2025 as it relates to developing leaders for ministry. The first one is we wanna send out 25 residents by the end of 2025. If you're not familiar with our residency, we have a residency program here where um, here's our current residents right now. We have six, where these people have graduated college and they're literally from all around the nation. Right now we have some, one from San Francisco, one from New York, some from Atlanta. They're from all around the nation. They graduated college. They come here for two years and they have a a, a full-time, they have a call to enter full-time ministry and we train, we equip them, we disciple them to be leaders for the kingdom and we give them every resource and then they graduate and they go. Matter of fact, Josh Tiago is one of our graduated residents who is now our student director here. We didn't send him very far. And he got engaged to one of our other residents, which, to, to Brooke. And here's the deal, that makes it so easy when I go to a school and I look to, to kind of uh, market the residency, I'm like, hey, listen, you come here, we'll get you a job, we'll get you engaged, we'll take care of everything. <laughs> like, I mean, we'll, we'll, we got it, man. What are you looking for, we got you. One of the things that we've created over the past couple of years is an internship. An internship program, listen, I don't know what you think about internships, it's not go get coffee, it's a minor league version of the residency, it's our farm system to, to give them a sneak peek of what ministry's like so that they can, what, what I love what our executive pastor, Kevin Monahan, he says it like this, he says, internships are where we help people elevate or eliminate their call to full-time vocational ministry. I love that. As a matter of fact, this past, just last month, we created a new pathway for us. We brought on Abigail Joseph, this is Abigail. Abigail is our uh, brand new uh, year-round intern. We've had summer interns, now she is a school year, year-round intern working with Casts and Connections at our Apophka campus and spiritual formation. And that, that's a very strategic thing that our executive pastor is doing, why? Because we believe in leadership development. It's not just to get help, it's for us to pour in To them, that's the first thing I'm praying is that we would send out 25 residents by the end of 2025. The second thing is this, that we would equip and empower volunteer ministry staff. This would kind of look like a a scaled down version. It's not a full-time 40-hour role. This would be anybody that is a volunteer for eight hours or more, we would treat them, they're high capacity volunteers, we would treat them 100% like staff. We have a lot of stay-at-home moms. We have a lot of retired people that have a huge heart for ministry. And they just start showing up and they're, they're involved, but they're like, we're not really, we don't have a plan for them. And what we wanna do is say, hey, we have a leadership pathway to develop you every step of the way. And what would that look like if we begin to come alongside many of you that say, hey, I don't know what to do. I just have a heart for more. Well, let's help you. Let's create a roadmap for you. So my heart is that we'd create that. The next thing is that we'd open up a journey resource center. If we're gonna develop leaders, Pastor John and I love, we we both love to read. And a lot of times we'll mention a book and so many times y'all will come up to me, hey, what was that book? Where can I get that? What we wanna do is just have a resource center. Say, hey, that book, we have 50 of them, go get that. Or we're gonna create content. We're gonna create resources for you to be able to go every step of the way. And as we get resources or create resources, we wanna be able to have a place to give those to you. We wanna open up a journey resource center. The next thing what I'm praying that God would allow us to do is launched something that, uh, I don't know the name of it right now, we're just calling it Journey University. It's not a a legit university. It's not a four-year program. But I don't think many of you know this, but every Wednesday, we have something called, for about an hour and a half, called the Leadership Development Group. And every Wednesday, we do leadership development, practical, spiritual leadership development, from the Bible to about 25, 30 people and, and we take our staff through it, we take our residents. And then when COVID hit, we started doing everything on Zoom. And as I started doing everything on Zoom, I realized we actually have power to do more than who's in the room. And through that, we started developing a youth pastor in California that just said, hey, I don't have leadership development. Will somebody pour into me? So we. We let them zoom in. Then there was a youth pastor in North Carolina. Then there was a missionary in Europe. Then there was a missionary in Africa. Then there was a missionary in Australia. And all of a sudden, these people from around the nation, around the world are now leaning in for leadership development. And this is how we train our staff. As a matter of fact, we've had some volunteers join us, kind of a beta version of what I think I am praying God would do. And one of those couples is Steve and Janet, and I want you to hear their story. Check this out.
2: My name's
0: Janet Zerger. And my name is Steve Zerger, and we've been coming to Journey for four years and three months.
2: We serve um, Journey to Christian Recovery, and um, that's um, a Bible study that addresses addictions, uh, codependency, and uh, different behavioral and mental health issues.
0: After we started coming for a while, we really believed in, in recovery ministry, and we knew from our personal experience that a lot of people need help, and we really wanted to help other people that had struggled as we had struggled.
2: Also, uh, during this time in uh, Journey to Christian Recovery, some of the leaders had stepped aside, so there was a hole there. And it's like, we got to keep going. We can't just drop this.
0: We saw the importance of leading, and so I knew I needed training uh, to be more effective at it.
2: Initially, I learned about the leadership training through uh, Shelley Smelsky, And I'm like, oh, could they let us be a part of that? Because that, I, I, we've been praying mm-hmm. for help.
0: I was talking to Shelly, we were in that same meeting talking to Shelly, and so she goes, well, I think you could probably join this. Let me talk to the staff if you can join the leadership development training group and, and uh, see if you can do that. And she came back a couple weeks later, hey, you can come. And we were just so excited to learn and sit down at the feet of the pastors and, and really learn. It's been awesome.
2: The first time we went into the leadership training, I'm just like, oh, this is answer to prayer. And then Dustin told us we were answer to prayer. So I'm like, okay, this is it. This is where we need to be. Because I was struggling there. I'm like, what does God want to do with me? Does he really want me to stay here? uh, Or should I just retire to the beach? You know, I was, um, but now I feel like God has a purpose for every single one of us. And I feel like I want everybody to have that opportunity to tap into to what's possible for them. Because I know God has a plan for each one of us and there's no such thing as retirement.
0: I think the Leadership Development Training Group is, is is really good because it's, a lot of times what stops people from serving, stop me from serving is confidence. And when you develop confidence, when you have leaders around you that believe in you, uh, it really strengthens your you and your faith that that God can use you in this way. So that's how it helped me and I'm sure it would help a lot of other people with that too.
2: I think uh, just the leadership training too can help us bring uh, other people to Christ. It gives you confidence to share your faith and uh, that's a biggie for me right now, just uh, just really diving into discipleship. That's something that leadership training has really encouraged me to do as Mm -hmm. well. And it's so important, I don't care what ministry that you're leading, it's all about discipleship. It's very pure.
1: Pure and simple. hmm Isn't that cool? I love it. Love the heart. So they, we've been doing this training for about three years now, and it's really been geared to our staff, and and we've kind of cracked the door a little bit to have a, a beta testing with about five or six different, uh, maybe a little bit more, just. Laymen, people that have full-time jobs or stay-at-home moms or retired and just say, hey, we just we wanna grow. And so they've come into this and we've been beta testing it because what we wanna launch in the future is what I'm calling Journey University because it's at 9.30. Many of you can't make it and it's not geared for you either. We kinda go in a little bit different gear for staff. But what we wanna do is create it in a, in a package and put it on a Thursday night where it's available and accessible to you where we provide childcare maybe sometime in the future and say, hey, come in, you don't have to commit to a two year deal. This is just a, maybe there's a four week course on on how to pray. What does the prayer life of a spiritual leader look like? And you just wanna lean into that one course where well, you'd come to that course on a Thursday night for four weeks or maybe, maybe you're, you're a leader, you're like, man, I just wanna know how do I build teams? How do I, what does the Bible say about building teams and handling conflict and how do I recruit, how do I re- retain? And we talk about how to build teams. Or maybe it's just the seasons of the soul. We have a course where it's four weeks where we talk about the different seasons of the spiritual soul. And so what we'll do in the future is we'll offer those to be able to, again, to equip you at every step of the way. It's gonna be part of our leadership pathway. The last thing I'm praying for that God would allow us to do by the end of 2025 would be this, would be to have a groundbreaking for the new leadership center. You see, if God's gonna do some of these things, already it's growing, but if God's gonna grow it and answer all of our prayers, well, we're gonna need a place to house this. We're gonna need classroom space. We're gonna need office space. We're gonna need all kinds of space to be able to handle where's Journey University to go, where are the residents gonna go, where are we gonna go? And so I'm praying that God would allow us to create and have a groundbreaking for a brand new leadership center by the end of 2025. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I invite you to be praying for. Beginning of the new year, Pastor John's retiring at the end of this year, beginning of the new year. I'm gonna step in as the lead pastor and it's important that you understand something. I wasn't hired to be your lead pastor. I was hired to be your family pastor. I was developed to be your lead pastor because Pastor John understands that leadership development matters because Journey is a church that embraces leadership development. Why? Because you, you, you can't help but be a leader if you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you will become a leader and developer of leaders. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. God, you are the greatest leader our world's ever seen. There, there's not been a greater leader on this planet than Jesus. And the very last words, it's the Great Commission, go, And follow my example, make disciples of your own and baptize them, teach them everything. That's leadership 101. And God, when we talk about this idea of leadership, I remember the first time somebody talked to me about leadership, I was like, man, you are out of your mind. I don't know what I'm doing, much less trying to lead somebody else. But God, I believe we have a stewardship that we have to take serious of developing every single person and their faith When they first give their lives to Christ and they're craving spiritual milk, moving on to Cheerios, help us to walk alongside believers every stage and phase of their maturity. And God, there is no wrong stage to be in. We just, we don't wanna be in a stage longer than we need to be. So God, wherever we're at today, would you help us just to, to maybe take a sneak peek of where you want to take us? And would we throw our hands up and surrender and say, God, if there's anything that I'm holding back that's, that's stopping me from entering the next phase, would, would you take it? We give you full surrender. And God, we pray of what could be and should be. Would you make it so? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.